0: and welcome back to not another bucking podcast. Uh, So glad to have you with us. Um, Really appreciated everybody who uh, subscribed to the first episode last week, whether it was the podcast on Apple Spotify or wherever else, or the YouTube channel where we also, um, you know, put the podcast up there with the with the video component, um, you know, or, or just reached out to us about the podcast on Twitter. It's a it's been a labor of love that we've tried to put together for a while now. Um, we're going to, again, like I said, last week, continue to just try to get better. We're going to have more guests. We're going to, we're going to continue to engage, listen to whatever it is that you think, um, you know, you might want to hear on this podcast. Um, and this week we have the great Romy Bean. Uh, she is the CBS sports, uh, uh C- CBS channel Four sports anchor in Denver. Um, you know, has been covering the Broncos for a long time, covering Denver sports for a long time. Um, so really excited to get her. Um, insight here in just a little bit, but I just kind of wanted to, you know, touch on some of these things that happened in training camp. uh, The first four days that we were out there, obviously Sean Payton was the newsmaker, uh, which your your head coach creating headlines uh, out of thin air is not something that we see very often, but that's what Sean Payton did when he told Jarrett bell of USA today, that um, he thought last year's Broncos coaching staff put together one of the quote, worst coaching jobs in NFL history. That's how bad it was in that same article. He You know, he, he leveled criticism at his own or at the team's own current front office and, and leadership structure for its role in allowing some of the things that took place to take place. Uh, He um, criticized the jets for their um, hype filled off season that includes an appearance on hard knocks that I don't think they asked for. Um, and then Sean Payton came back the, a couple days or two days later, uh, when he spoke to the media again and said that he had regret that it was a mistake, that he stepped in it, that he was, uh, still had his Fox hat on and not his coaching head on that. He uh, was proud of his players for having a quiet off season. And here is the veteran coach himself. Um, you know, being the one that creates, you know, creates the stir. So kind of calling out his own, um, you know, hypocrisy and his, and his kind of view uh, for, for that. I think my personal take on this is I don't think Sean Payton is uh, regrets what he said, because he, he, even in his mea culpa, he, he said, listen, I'm defending my guys. He, he thinks that his team, like that there's been enough of the criticism for 2022. That's in the rear view mirror. Um, and so I think some of that was taken up for those guys, particularly Russell Wilson, who was at the center of all that. Um, but I think there was probably some getting called into the principal's office, so to speak, uh, in terms of, Hey, let's not, let's not get after our own people that are in this building, right? Like everybody was trying to do the right thing last year. It was just it was just a bad situation um, that, that just kind of got out of control and didn't work, and to their credit, they nipped it in the bud, right? Like 15 games, they said, we got to move in some different direction and then went in a whole new direction when they hired Sean Payton. So, you know, I think it, it said what it said, that week five game when the Jets come to town in Denver on October 8th with Aaron Rodgers Nathaniel Hackett, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be a lot of fun, and, and, and the network executives will have Sean Payton to thank for, for a little bit of a bump. Um, outside of that, we'll, we'll get to the conversation here um, with Romy. Before we do that, I want to play a clip uh, that I thought was some of the most interesting sound from the first four days of training camp, and that is new Broncos outside linebacker Frank Clark, who came to Denver after four successful years with the Chiefs. Uh, here's what he had to say about the Chiefs-Broncos rivalry um, in which the Chiefs have won 15 straight games. Um... I wouldn't call it a rivalry, and a rivalry is is competitive, true or false. Um, And I'm on the Broncos now. I've been on the other side, you know what I mean? And we didn't call it a rivalry then. Um, I'm with the Broncos now. Until we become competitive enough, we have to beat the team. We have to win our division. We have to do a few things, not just about the Chiefs. Um, It's it's things we have to do here. We got to get our own ball together here in order for us to go out there and compete for us to become one of those statutes. Okay, I am pleased today to welcome our special guest, 2022 Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. You can find her smiling face on the cover of Westward right now. Uh, She's the sports anchor at CBS4, Denver CBS affiliate. Um, Romy, so glad to have you on the Not Another Bucking Podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Nick, I'm so bucking excited. I was like, finally, I got my chance. I got my call up. I have pumped. (laughs)
0: Well, we're so glad to have you. Well, let's let's roll right into it because it has been a a crazy week. We were talking at camp that it's it's been four days, feels like four weeks. Um, let's talk about the Frank Clark clip we we just listened to in a minute. But what, what was just like your biggest takeaway of this of this opening week that that you know somehow made national headlines because of things that were said, quarterbacks running? What was just your biggest takeaway for the first four days?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess okay, so. Two parts. First of all, of course, the, the Sean Payton bombshell article was just wild, um, and then it, it was wild more so that he went there and then he kind of went back. But I think if if we take a deep dive into that, I think the reasons he went back aren't. I don't think it was this full on apology. I think that was more of the general manager kind of smoothing things in the facility. I I wouldn't be surprised if he went up to the players and said, "I still stand by everything that that I said," you know. Um, but that was crazy because again. We've never seen it, and there's been so little access all off season, so that happens. That's wild. But my my biggest takeaway, and this is like a very like broad strokes takeaway, Nick, and this is gonna sound so simple, but that this is professional football. And and you all know because you have been here covering the Broncos for the last few years, everything even even at camp, it's just There's efficiency and it's the little things it's not just the tempo of practice but it's what happens in between and how quickly they're getting to other drills and you know they're not taking lollygag breaks it's just being run like a professional organization and that's such a welcome sight i think after everything we've seen and all the different changes and you just get that sense of stability i would say that's my overarching take without getting into like any specific player that yeah. was my big thing, which sounds weird. It sounds weird to say, oh, it looks yeah, professional. It, it
0: makes sense. It makes sense because I think the thing that I've, I've said that, that um you know, the Broncos, the, their previous three head coaches, which all came since 2017, they've come fast and furious, um, they were all first-time head coaches. Mm-hmm. And even though, sh- uh, you know, our guy Vic Fangio has been in the league since the leather helmets, um <laughs> he was still being a head coach for the first time. and And those guys are just, like, really trying to figure out how they want to assemble everything. I'm with you. Like, that's my takeaway with Sean Payton is that he's done this before. Like, there's a very clear goal, not just with what they want to, where they want to be when the season begins, but like what they're doing every day, the purpose uh, behind everything. You know, I was talking to Adam Troutman today who had played a couple seasons with Sean Payton in New Orleans. And, and he talked about how, like, you know, guys, when they would, would first join the, a team coached by Sean Payton, sort of asking like, is this what it's like all the time? He's like, yeah, you'll get used to this. This is your, this is your new normal because they, you know, they tell him like, we haven't seen this like at other teams just in terms of, yeah, that cold calculated efficiency with what they're doing and yet still, still finding the time to teach. Um, you know, that, that to me has been, has been notable noticeable uh, a- as well. And, and you mentioned the tempo like, I thought it was interesting. The last two days he's had a couple different times where he blows the whistle and just sort of like, you know, motions back to the huddle and guys go back and, and, and and basically it's just get out of the huddle quicker, get to the line of scrimmage quicker. I mean, that's what we've seen is just the, this, like, there's no missing these like little details. You're not allowed to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think along those same lines, I think he makes the expectations very clear. And I think, You can look in hindsight and probably even while it was happening with Nathaniel Hackett, those expectations were not clear. I think it was probably a similar thing with Vic Fangio, again, because they're just trying to establish who they are and what they want this to look like. And Sean Payton even said it, you know, talking about when that first padded practice is going to come, he's laying down the expectations. He said the key word is clarity of what we expect so that there's not fights and people aren't getting overexcited. Everything, he used the word calculated, you know, and that can have a negative connotation sometimes but I think in this sense it's a positive thing because these guys know exactly what to expect and and they need that they need that structure they need that organization um you know Ryan Harris said to me a while ago a long time ago I was asking him about Sean Payton and about kind of you know Nathaniel Hackett being everyone's friends and as a guy who played in the league I thought he had a great point he said look when you make it to the NFL you have enough friends you want to coach Wow, yeah and I was like man that that just hit so hard and so I think that's so true. And I think you see that guys like Justin Simmons going in year eight, never made the playoffs. He just wants a coach, man. He doesn't need another buddy. And so I, that's why I think another reason these guys are so receptive to it because they're like, okay, this guy's got a vision. Steer the ship.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Ju- Justin had a quote like early in the off season where he said something to the effect of like, um, I don't really care if, if we like, if you tell me we got to do four day practices and that, that might be like slightly hyperbolic, but I, yeah. but I, I think it was a representation of the way that he feels, right? Like they've just, that's what they have wanted. Like, especially the guys that have been here a long time and just haven't seen that, that pathway is just like, just tell us what to do. And I think that, that was part of the, the the thing with Sean Payton with this ownership group too, is like last year they come aboard in August and they, they have a head coach who's been there since, since February. And I think there were pretty early signs that he was very much still trying to figure out like. How this whole being the face of a franchise worked, and I and I think, I think the the Penner Walton ownership group is sort of I think self aware of the fact that they are still trying to to establish themselves to to really learn about, um you know just just the business, the politics, the, the different things of the NFL, and I think there's a lot of things that shows you they've they've had a a pretty quick education in that regard over the last year, um, just in the way that they've maneuvered some things. Um, but, but I think that was part of wanting to get a guy like Sean Payton. Obviously they, you know, that they had the, the, the sit downs the conversations with Jim Harbaugh too. Cause it would have been the same thing of like, look, we don't want this there to be any sort of doubt. Now we'll talk a little bit about this when you, when you get a guy that you're saying, Hey, fully in charge, um, like that comes with some things too. And we, we experienced some of that this week.
1: Well, and I think it is because, you know, Greg Penner at the beginning of the week had kind of said, yeah, you know, we talk about some things with Sean, but you got the sense that, you know, Sean is pretty much in charge of of the football side of things. And he is in charge of, because there's two aspects to a professional football team. That's the business side and the football side. And obviously, you you know, you don't build Walmart, Walmart by being a bad business guy. So they know what they're doing and they have their work cut out from them on that end. There's so much you know, that goes into that, that they want to restructure people they want to bring in. And I think that in Greg Penner's mind, which is what a, what a smart CEO does is they, they delegate and he has delegated a lot of those football duties to Sean Payton. Now that works out for Sean Payton because that's what he wants. That's what a Jim Harbaugh would have wanted, you know, and I think maybe necessarily those two haven't butted heads, but the article kind of brought to this light that maybe, okay, maybe Penner does want to be, A little more involved or maybe not maybe he's fine with it right but you do i think everybody's going to be watching that dynamic with him and george payton with a close eye and it does seem like whenever they're together they get along great right but you get the sense that sean payton is i keep making the reference like captain phillips like i'm the captain now look look me in the eyes you know and that's how mike shanahan was how bill belichick is you know there's a lot of successful head coaches that are like that you know, and at the end of the day, if you win, nobody cares, but it will be interesting to see. He, he certainly won't be given up a ton of power anytime soon.
0: No, that's, and that's, that's like such a, such a big part of it. And I think for, for whatever, like drawbacks that might, might come with that, you know, think like headache, little headaches that it causes you. Mm-hmm. Um, you chose to have a situation in which you don't have to worry about whether the football whether the football side is being guided with know-how like that's, I think that's the bottom line. And that's what we've, that's what's been very clear. These first four days is like, there's a very clear delineation of like, who's in charge, how things are getting operated. There's a chain of command, and it's just made for, for a a smoother product. Like these practices do just seem quicker based on the way that they're organized. And I think that has been a, a pretty big departure, particularly from, from last year. Um, Let's talk about Russ, because that's obviously the, the big thing that, um, you know, w- was a part of that article, too. Right. Is that, you know, he he was he's defending the guy. But I just want to talk about um, from 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 what we've seen, obviously, just two practices, team team periods have have been somewhat limited in terms of how much guys are throwing. You're you're not in pads where I think offensive linemen are the most disadvantaged group in this because your job is to put your hands places and there, there's nowhere to put hands Um but what, what just has been your thought of what you've seen out of out of Russell, even if some of that includes, uh, you know, the offseason, OTAs, minicamp, and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the first thing you look at is physically, which obviously has been just a huge topic. I was laughing when he was at the podium about how many questions he got asked about his weight and people just wanting to know the number on the scale.
0: This is weird in that way sometimes, right? Like the things that we, that, you know, like that you talk about, you, you do rewind it back and you're just like, Okay. What, what, uh, what are we covering? What is this?
1: Like a weird amount of questions there, you know? Um, okay. But, but it is such a big topic and that's because last year, I mean, he looked like a different human being. Right. And it to me again, not to, not to take away from what he's done in the off season, which is a tremendous amount of work, but it, it kind of fits in with, what I said about this is how practice just should be run, right? This is professional football. This is how Russell Wilson should look. Last year was this departure where he decided that he wanted to, you know, kind of take it into his own hands and whatever. And so he looks better physically. He definitely looks more agile. We saw him, do, of course, run the, run the 70 yards. He didn't run as much in, in the final practice of the week. But, like, the biggest thing I noticed is that the offense, even without pads, is really catered to what's gonna help make Russell successful, right? Running um, heavy on offensive tempo, right? Really yeah. heavy on the ground game. Uh, the They brought in these big dogs, Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey. And Mike McGlinchey hasn't even been out there. Uh, prayers up to him and his family, by the way. But even without that, you can see this line looks so much stronger. The running get backs, you can tell Sean Payton is doing, okay, this is what's going to make Russell Wilson successful. This is what he's been successful in the past. So. Russell Wilson, to me, looks a little bit more, you know, at ease as well, I think. And so he's made some great passes, He's made, you know, a couple, you know, not so great ones of other days. You know, maybe you give him a B, maybe I give him a B plus throughout throughout the first four, four days of camp, I think. But the other piece of it, too, is I just think Russ, uh, when we talk to him, much more subdued. He's still got that energy. still got that passion. He still kind of, you know, gets into his, his stories and his motivations and all that stuff. But
0: really
1: more subdued version. Every other sentence. Yes. And, <laughs> and I had somebody ask me, like, subdued, like, does it, does somebody have him, you know, by the cojones kind of subdued? And I was like, I don't think so. I just think for Russ, and I, I appreciated that he was honest. And he said last year, was last year wasn't anything I ever wanted, right? You know, you know he's embarrassed. And so, oh. I think yeah. he's focused, but I think he just, to me, looks really settled because of Sean Payton. And then physically, he looks better. I think he looks uh, faster. I think he looks more agile. Um, and I think he's just going to be in a position to succeed. You know, does he look as fast as he did five years ago? No, you know, but he but he look, certainly looks faster than last year.
0: Well, I think some, like, t- the, you mentioned the word tempo, and, and I'm so curious with this offense. Um, what I've really been kind of trying to look at is – During Sean Payton's tenure in New Orleans, the Saints were always among the league leaders in terms of quickest time from snap to pass um, time to throw that they were, they were among the the league leaders. And a lot of that is because Drew Brees had one of the quickest releases and he also had one of the quickest processors um, in his brain in terms of just making a decision, getting it out. But so much more goes into that than just the quarterback. And Russell Wilson obviously has been a quarterback who his teams finished toward the lower end of, of, of time to throw. And, and a lot of times that's because he's he's scrambling and it has served him well a lot of times. But I think one of the things we saw last year, and part of this was injuries, he can't escape you know, Like those extending plays, he doesn't necessarily have the mobility to extend them to that degree anymore. And so I think it's it's this balance, right? Of like understanding that. That still has to be a part of who you are. Um, it could because that's that's always been that's how you're that's how you're built. And he's still fast. He's still um, you know agile. He's you know when you're a smaller quarterback, that's also sort of one of your benefits, right? Is that you're a little bit harder to get a hold of. So those things still have to be a part of it. But it, it's it's sort of I think understanding like like knowing know thyself, right? Like know how much you can and can't still do that. Um, but but what I'm curious about is. The thing that Adam Troutman told me was like so much of that time to throw is in part the quarterback, but it's also just how quickly you can get to the line of scrimmage. Because if you do that, you are putting the defense in a bind. Sean Payton talks about a lot. We want to attack the defense. Mm -hmm. So it's and and not the other way around where you're on your heels. You want to have them on your heels and you do that by by, um, you know, pushing the tempo up, um, you know, by by blowing the whistle to say we have to get to the line faster And so it's just going to be interesting to to me to see how far Russ comes from this back end of time to throw and sort of meets it in the middle with with Sean Payton and what that does for the offense, because that was the thing last year. Nothing was easy. Every single thing that they did on offense looked like they were had a 10 pound weight on their back. And, And part of them, I think, getting some more layups, so to speak is just quickening the tempo. So for me, that was sort of a positive sign of these first four weeks is that they are moving with with more urgency than we saw at any point last year.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you. And the other point, too, along with that is they're moving with the tempo, right? And like you said, Sean Payton said they want to stress the defense. They're getting up there. He's getting the ball out quicker. And on top of all that, he he knows what he's doing. I mean, how many times last year where it looked like he was running around because he didn't know what the hell he was doing and whether that was because it wasn't the right play call, right? Or Hackett didn't get the call in, or he was auto-bullying it, whatever, right? There was... we
0: were receivers in the in the lineup because everybody's hurt,
1: right? You know, or people didn't know. There's so many times where it, there was looked like so many different members of the op- offense at different points were confused, and that's why they had so many pre-snap penalties. And it's crazy that it went on all season, but obviously this is a small sample size. Obviously it's not game speed. It obviously doesn't have pads on, but they're acting with this tempo, and everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Everybody knows where they are. You can tell that they understand where they are at whatever point of, you know, installation and learning the offense they are, and maybe a little bit even more ahead, but they're playing with that tempo and there's, there's a calm to it because they know what they're doing. And that again, plays into John Payton, putting Russell Wilson into, into if you want to say into a box a little bit. And I think Russ saying, okay, yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's do it this way.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's, it's obviously one of the funny things Sean Payton said, well, not funny, but just get caught my ear was, um, you know, he, he stresses to his coaches, like we're constantly in evaluation mode, but let's not make judgments on guys, you know, two or three practices in. So let's, let's keep moving guys. Let's keep having, you know, different players play with different personnel groups with, you know, first, second, third string, whatever it might be. Let's not make snap snap judgments, but that's, we get to do that. He doesn't get to put that, put that on us. So I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, we talked about some of the positives. What like are there any concerns for you that have cropped up? You know, in this early early period, uh, maybe it's things that even existed before this. Uh, any any concerns that have originated from what you've seen so
1: far? Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern still is depth. Um, specifically, you know, you look up on on that defensive front. I think uh, there was a couple times where you know, depending on matchups, seven on sevens offense is, is supposed to win. And look, there were times. Um, where the the second look the secondary is never a concern, and I will say that you could be even more confident. Same thing in the team period where they just had some great right. plays. Um, but the offensive line, the power of the offensive line, Ben Powers, I mean, has made some holes so big it's on. You know, Russell Wilson, Javante Williams could run through together. It's just right. already so. I love to see that. But going into camp, I was a little concerned about defensive line. Then Niome Wazarike gets suspended, and now. I guess that's the beauty of camp. That's the point of camp to see who's going to step up, but still waiting for someone to really step up there. I think that's what does this defensive line look like? We know, they've reached out to Shelby Harris, maybe some other people. Um, But so there that that's kind of the big concern, especially because, you know, Sean Payton even said a quarterback's best friend is run game and good defense. Now we know the secondary is going to be good. What does the front look like? And the same thing goes for um, outside linebackers. This could be, a really strong group. Does Nick Benito take the next step? I thought he had some, he's had some great moments, um, you know, especially in that final, the final practice on Saturday. I thought he had a great play there. So does he step up? Is Baron Browning healthy? There's questions there. And then of course, Randy Gregory, right? Is he going to play a full season? Do do you pace him out? Do you only play 65% of the snaps? These are things that we don't know, I guess, necessarily in camp, but this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the next person who's really going to step up. Is Jonathan Cooper ready to step up? and take a bigger role for me those are the big areas that I think need the most that have the most concern right yeah I, I'm
0: with you 100 percent you know it's it's funny you know we 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 spend all off season like you know dialoguing who they have you write so many sort of like roster construction type stories in the off season you talk about it a lot um but there was a time at um on the on um Thursday I think when they had their first you know first or Friday when they had their first full team practice in front of fans. And you're looking and they start these 11 on 11 drills. And at one point you're looking at the front line and it's Randy Gregory, DJ Jones, Zach Allen, and Frank Clark. And you're like, that's a pretty good four. Like that's, that's, that's versatile people who can certainly get off the pat after the passer from the interior, from the edge. Um, You know, you you in that you could have Alex Singleton blitzing in the middle of that. Like that's a good grip that I think can also be out on the field and probably stop the run run as well. I think I think Zach Allen's gonna be really good against the run. He, he's just so long and you know strong and physical. Um, but but then then you say, okay well, what is behind that? like that is that to me is the concern that's going to be sort of a hold your breath proposition throughout training camp is just like, can they stay healthy? Because they do have like the the front end talent, I think is good enough to be, to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's why they've overhauled so much of what they've done um, from a health and player wellness perspective. And Adam Troutman, who, who worked with Bo Lowry, the new vice president of player uh, health and nutrition um, uh, as a rookie said, this guy will make a difference. He just is so locked into everything, every single thing about every single player and knowing their plan and, and it's, it's, I mean, everybody that's been in this building has been well-intentioned, but the bottom line is that they just haven't been able to avoid some of these injuries for years now. Um, so that's 100% what it is because they don't have a lot of depth in the front seven. Um, you know, John, Jonathan Cooper, I think has been been really good this off season. Um, but again, he's, he's a depth player, you know, and he's had some of his own injury issues. Baron Browning, we know that he has, you know, some pretty dynamic talent. He's still not out there. We don't know if he'll be ready to start the season or not. Right. So that that's what I'm going to be. It's just like a, a hold your breath thing for, yeah. for really the rest of camp.
1: You know, but one interesting note on that too is we talk about the health and it has been crazy. It not even – last year was insane, but even going back, you know, quite a few years. But something that to me really stood out in practice was running gassers at the end of practice, right. conditioning at the end of practice. But it's one of those things where he wants them to be really well conditioned. You even watch like the warm-ups, and they're having them do just kind of like a little – Little hops almost that were almost little like Achilles exercises. Just all these little different warm ups that I haven't seen them do before. And I think the hope is that, right, these will help these guys stay healthy and hopefully they know how. But yeah, the team, the top end talent is good enough, I think, t- to make the playoffs. But can you stay healthy? And on that same note, I'm really curious about the wide receiver position. And the reason I say that is because that's a pretty loaded room. So I'm looking at the guys that who stands out that they're like, pretty good, as in good enough to maybe trade to get somebody to add to the D-line. So kind of, uh, I think the wide receiver room is fascinating because, and I feel like every year we say, oh, the wide receiver room's stacked, but there's a lot of talent in there, especially if Tim's healthy. Um, So I'm curious to see who fits in that. Yeah, you're good, good enough to get some trade value and then bring in someone for the D-line. So I think that's kind of a fascinating dynamic that I'm Trying to keep an eye on, don't really have any sense, you know, just yet. But something I think could it could that could be a room they could use to subtract from to add to somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that they are done potentially wheeling and dealing, uh, making making some sort of move um, at, at this point in the offseason. They're definitely going to bring in a veteran def- defensive lineman. I think they've signaled that um, seems pretty pretty clear. But Romy, we're, we'll be talking uh, again soon. Um, you know, there, there's going to be so much so much more to talk about. We have six straight days back out there. So by, by this time next week, our opinions will, will certainly change, but yeah. thank you so much for being um, my guest today on not another Bucking podcast.
1: Oh man. I had the best time before we go. I got to say, I loved what Frank Clark said Um about, about- yes, yes. By the way, exactly. we forgot to hit that. I loved it. I am sure Broncos fans are on both sides of the coin, but I love the honesty. I think yes. it's so refreshing that he just, he just went up and he straight up said it because it's true. You want to hear another guy say, Oh yeah. Like, we really, you know, we know how they looked at it. I thought that was refreshing. I think that's the kind of leadership presence that they really need that was lacking, a guy who's won it and won it recently. I, I kind of think of a, a KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a different mentality, but they bring him in. He knows how to win it all. I think that's something that's going to make his presence is invaluable.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you brought so many guys in that had one Super Bowl title. We you talking about coaching staff, right? Like Sean Payton, a lot. you know, a number of the guys that are on the staff now were either players or coaches uh, on the Saints 0-9 team. Yeah. Uh, Michael Burton, the fullback, uh, won a championship with the Chiefs last year. They've got guys that played in it. But, yeah, Frank Clark's the, the dude. He's got two of them, two of those things. And, yeah, it's like he, I'm, he's like, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't on the Chiefs kicking their ass for, you know, Bronco. the last four years. And the thing I said was crazy is he he um, he played for the Chiefs for four years. Yeah. And yet he was only part of half of this streak of Broncos losing the Chiefs. It is right. like it's not to end. It's mind-boggling. Right. It's, so, it's, anyway. Well, Romy, we will definitely have you on again soon. Thank you so much. And uh, to, to everybody, please subscribe to the podcast on on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have some, some bonus content, some, some post-camp stuff throughout the week in between episodes, so you can catch us there. Uh, until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.